Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. Talked about Joseph Grimaldi, sometimes called the first modern clown this week. We sure did. Um, this episode <laughs> came about, uh, I alluded, I think, in our previous episode. Uh, I recently had COVID and it's it derailed. I had to take sick time, and each of us had other already previously planned time off, and then also some unexpected stuff happened. Like, there's just a lot going on, <laughs> and um, so I was in one of those places where I was like, I've got to find something that is doable in the amount of time that I have to write an episode. Yeah, and often. Something that is doable is when somebody has um, an autobiography or a memoir or something similar that is in the public domain that can be a big part of the research and, like, we can reference their own words directly and that kind of thing. Like, that is one of the tools when we have to fill a gap in this way sometimes. Uh, and so I had been like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something like that. And then I used almost none of Grimaldi's memoirs because they even though they are in the public domain, they do not read like a memoir at all. They read like a Dickens novel, as we talked about. Uh, and so there's just like only, I think, one or maybe two quotes from it in the entire episode. So it's, uh, while the episode did get written in the amount of time involved, it did not have as much reliance on that memoir as I had thought it was going to. <laughs> also, something that I did not put in into the episode. Uh, Charles Dickens, as we said, had seen some of Grimaldi's performances when he was a kid, seemed to really like the, the pantomime, seems to have maybe not been as much of a fan of Grimaldi later on when he was actually working with this memoir and writing uh, sketches from Boz and stuff like that. He also has a couple of creepy clown appearances in some of his other writing, including <laughs> one that some people think is a specific reference to Grimaldi's son, J.S. It can't have been a reference to Grimaldi because the this book was written, like, 
before Grimaldi's death, I think. So people think it was probably about JS. And that's, it's in the Pickwick Papers. Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm going to read this little passage from the Pickwick Papers. About this time, and when he had been existing for upwards of a year, no one knew how, I had a short engagement at one of the theaters on the Surrey side of the water, and here I saw this man, whom I had lost sight of for some time, for I had been traveling in the provinces, and he had been skulking in the lanes and alleys of London. I was dressed to leave the house and was crossing the stage on my way out when he tapped me on the shoulder— Never shall I forget the repulsive sight that met my eye when I turned round. He was dressed for the pantomimes and all the absurdity of a clown's costume, the spectral figures and the dance of death, the most frightful shapes that the ablest painter ever portrayed on canvas, never presented an appearance half so ghastly. His bloated body and shrunken legs, their deformity enhanced a hundredfold by the fantastic dress, the glassy eyes contrasting fearfully with the thick white paint with which the face was besmeared and the grotesquely ornamented head trembling with paralysis and the long skinny hands rubbed with white chalk all gave him a hideous and unnatural appearance of which no description could convey an adequate idea and which to this day I shudder to think of. His voice was hollow and tremulous as he took me aside and in broken words recounted a long catalog of sickness and privations, terminating as usual with an urgent request for the loan of a trifling sum of money. I put a few shillings in his hand, and as I turned away, I heard the roar of laughter which followed his first tumble on the stage. So that maybe could be Grimaldi, maybe could be J.S. Most things that I saw were like, it's probably about J.S. Because it seems, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, it was written not long after J.S. died, a very young age. I I love that clowns have always been a delight to some and terrifying to others. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And I like, I don't think that uh, the the Dickens edition of his memoirs was necessarily, like, the first time ever that there was this dichotomy of, like, the sad clown and the clown with the tragic backstory and, like, the person who's outwardly funny and inwardly depressed and grief-stricken all the time. Uh, But he sure did, like, cement it (laughs) with that book. Well, and now, right, now they're they're recognized, like, four different types of clowns. Like the white face, the Augusta tramp, and the character, and yeah, yeah, yeah. This is kind of the modern genesis of that. Yeah, I had thought about putting in more about sort of the history of clowning um, <laughs> and that development of like the 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 white face Auguste tramp and character that you just mentioned. Like, and part of it was that it just felt like. Um, like, there are so many things in so many cultures around the world that can fit into the big umbrella of clowning. Yes, for sure. That that part just seemed like it was like it, it was getting too big. Um, but <laughs> then also, uh, I found the specifics of the, like, progression of um, clowning uh, sort of being, it, at least uh, here, maybe in Europe, to, like, include these four types um, I found a lot of like the sourcing on that really vague, and I was like, I, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to put this in here when it, when I think it might be a little more nebulous than yeah. some of these sources make it sound like. Have I ever told you the story of when my clown association terrified my husband? 
No. So as some folks know, Brian and I got married very quickly. So like Mm -hmm. there were a lot of times where we were many years into our marriage and discovered something completely new about one another. And at one point we were at a party at our mutual friend Lily's house. And one of the things she had out was a dish of like those long, thin balloons you use to make balloon animals. Okay. And I blew one up and I made a poodle. Okay. And Brian said, where'd you learn to do that? And I said, the clowns taught me. And like, <laughs> he said, the clowns taught you? Mm-hmm. And that was when I had to explain, like, if you grow up in certain parts of Florida. Yeah. And you are in, you know, theatery circles. You just know clowns because there's uh-huh. the big clown school there. And they kind of spread out. <laughs> Sure, sure. And so, of course, I knew clowns growing up, but I it never occurred to me that other people didn't know clowns growing yeah. up. And so I was like, the clowns taught me. Uh, I think we've talked before about how when I was a kid, I was in a summer musical theater program. Uh-huh. Um, and one year, the show that we did was Barnum, which is a musical about the life of P.T. Barnum that's not the same as the movie that's not that old. Right. And so all of, like, what would be the chorus, we were all clowns. Um, And so we learned a number of, like, very basic clowning things and different types of clown makeup. And uh, I learned to juggle badly. And uh, there was something else. Oh, balloon animals. Um, I I can also make a balloon poodle. It's not very hard. Um, It's not, yeah, it's not that that difficult from... uh, like once you knew the basics of how to do it. So yeah, like that's uh that's my one very brief, brief foray into clowning was being part of the chorus in uh summer middle and high school production of the play Barnum. The clowns, Tommy. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode, hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel 
for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You had asked me before we started this, was he on your list? And the answer was no. Hmm. And the reason was depressing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is one of those things, right? I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. Um, and again, I'm obviously not a psychologist or psychiatrist, but it it is one of those things where we we had just discussed, and it applies to this, that thing where it's like, you can do so many things in your life and have so many experiences, but at the end of the day, your childhood trauma drives the bus. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you have to always be working on whatever those formative experiences are. That like, Otherwise, you just end up kind of falling into weird habits that kind of perpetuate the same problems. And I feel like Grimaldi is such an example of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. he obviously had a very difficult childhood with a parent who did not treat him well. Mm-hmm. And it's like you then see him spending his entire life trying to make people happy and make people mm-hmm. like him, right? It's that thing of, like, I only want to make you happy, and also you will like me, and that will make me happy. And, like, at the same time, he is having breakdowns in his dressing room, it right. sounds like. And it's like, oh, I just want to go back and get him a therapist and hug him. Yeah. Make him some nice tea and let him just sit quietly if that's what yeah. he wants. A therapist and maybe also, like, a trainer or a competent <laughs> doctor. Right. Um, like somebody to talk about some body mechanics and maybe if there were some physical, muscular, or skeletal issue going on to like maybe address that because it seems, it does seem like 
uh, he was just constantly pushing himself. Yeah. In a, in a way that was harmful to his body. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I will also say on a funnier note. Yeah. I'm glad that for the most part, we have gotten away from titles of things that are the blobbity bloop or, or the bloopy blorp. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. There's a lot of those like, in this. Too many. So many. <laughs> too many words. <laughs> and clown church service has now gone on my bucket list, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Um, as a behind-the-scenes secret, I was supposed to read that line, and for some time, the for some reason, the very idea got me so choked up that Tracy had to read it. Yeah, the the clown shirt service. I don't know why that uh, hit my heart so yeah, so there's, aggressively. Um, there's a uh, a biography of Grimaldi called "The Pantomime Life of Joseph Grimaldi: Laughter, Madness, and the Story of Britain's Greatest Comedian" by Andrew McConnell Stott which uh, was one of, like, a bunch of different sources that were part of this episode. Um, this got just, it's much longer than this episode, obviously. It has just a ton of detail that we did not talk about at all. Um, and uh, I, if I'm remembering rightly, it starts with his effort to get to that church service. Um, and there was a flight delay, and it was like, is it going to happen or not? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I recommend that book if you want tons more detail than what we talked about. So, yeah. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs, and if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode, hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding Finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. (laughs) 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We talked about apples this week, Tracy. We sure did. I love apples. I do, too. I don't bake with them as often as one might think, but I sure do like to eat them. Mm-hmm. I just love a little chopped apple in just about anything. Um, one of the things I wanted to call out and mention, uh, we mentioned at the end of that episode that there has been, uh, you know, at various times there have been efforts for people to try to get the Ontario government or even the bigger Canadian government to, like, do something to really recognize the Macintosh uh, and its importance because, you know, it obviously not only is a delicious thing that many people like, but it has been a big part of the economy of Ontario and mm-hmm. and really around the world for a lot of growers at this point. Um, that hasn't happened. But uh, Sandra Bexted, who we mentioned um, in the course of the thing, she is is the woman who um, owns the the orchard where the last of the first generation trees recently Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. died. She has her own little mission where she, you know, has, they have a store at their orchard, like many orchards do. And she includes a lot of historical information. She invites school groups to come and she talks about it. They talk about the Macintosh and its heritage, but also like other apples that came from it and, and how that all relates to local history. I just think that's cool. I want to give her a shout out for Mm -hmm. being like a grassroots educator. Um, There was also an interesting thing that came about when the sale of the Macintosh farm issue came up recently. You know, that's only been a few years ago. It got picked up by a lot of news outlets. Like the BBC and CBC both ran multiple stories about it. But one particular detail kept getting confused and relayed in completely opposite ways. Mm -hmm. One was that the owner, Mr. Scoff had put up a lot of no trespassing signs because a lot of people would kind of try to sneak onto the property mm-hmm. for pictures or just to see stuff or whatever. And he was getting frustrated, understandably. But the other is that uh, there were some that were like, he would love to give tours if you just asked him. And it's like, 
I don't. He's okay. I don't, one of these is cr- potentially correct, but both right. can't really work because he seems to not want anybody to bug him. Um, so I don't know what the scoop is there. If you, yeah, if you, dear listeners, are looking up anything about it, and you're like, wait, d- d- uh, we don't know either. <laughs> it's very unclear. Um, I will once again, as I often do in our behind the scenes, will confess. Uh, my own ignorance in a thing that I didn't know for a really long time. Okay. That it's often better to use, you know, s- apples that are not sweet in your baking. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was well into my adulthood by the time I learned that because I kept being like, why, why is this mushy? And it's because the sugars make them break down and get mushier. It's kind of like how we said the the Macintosh breaks down more quickly, so you don't have to bake it as long. Right. But that's also why it is, or it's related to the fact that it is sweet when you eat it raw versus the Bramley, which is tart and retains its shape better. Yeah. I didn't know these things. No. I was honestly surprised at what sounds to me like kind of Herculean efforts to keep the original Bramley tree alive in the face of it having a fungus that can spread. And this is partly, like, I have no idea what steps uh, they may be taking to try to keep this fungus from spreading to other trees or plant life nearby. Um, And I don't think I've told this story on the show before. Uh, When we bought the house that we live in, there were several rose bushes planted. Oh yeah, you had witch's and broom. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I went out one day to deadhead the roses, and I was like, "Why this? Wow, this plant looks weird." And I was like, "Obviously, this is diseased." So I'm gonna do what I know is like what a step to take, and like cut away all the diseased part. And then later, I was like, "I think I need to look up." Yeah. What just happened. And what what it was was this thing called rose rosette disease, which is spread by mites. And really, like, there are people who will try to save a rose bush that's in, like, really early stages of it. Um, But, like, by the time it has spread to the root area, you can't, it's, it's not something you can really treat. And you really need to, like, dig up the whole plant down to the root yeah. And destroy it to keep uh, it from yeah. and it was a huge bummer. Um, like the 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 rose bushes were there when we bought the house. It wasn't like I planted them, but one of them was this little rose bush that really reminded me of one at my parents' house that my mom had planted. So every time I saw this rose bush blooming, it like reminded me of my mom. Uh, and I had to dig the whole thing up down to the roots. Uh, and then I realized that it had also infected the one next to it. And I Went ahead and dug that one up also. And so having had that whole experience, the idea of like uh, ke- keeping the, a tree with what sounds like a fungus that can spread and harm other trees, I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> I am I mean, I don't know what, what stuff they have in place. I do know, I'm pretty sure they have like a ground barrier so the roots can't infect other things. I will say I also have had with. I call it witch's broom because that's the, yeah, that's one of the colloquial name, name it for that, it. Yeah. I have had it and I had a very different reaction to you. <laughs> Which is, oh, that looks amazing. It looks it like a demon. Look, it looks really cool. It makes your rose bush look very Halloween-y. It does. And I, my reaction was, could I just let it happen? Oh, yeah. 
But I also had to dig up a, a old, an old and very established rose bush in my yard, uh, which is just a pain in the tuchus, man. It is a big pain. I was more concerned about, like, the neighbor's plants than my own plants. Like, I was just like, I don't want to keep a plant in my yard that could hurt my yeah. neighbor's plants. Yeah. Ours were, um, I mean, I have roses and I love them. We've talked about them on the show before. So I also was like, oh, I just planted a really nice rose bush. I really don't want that to get this because even though it looks cool, I don't want it to die. Um you know, I want my Twilight Zone roses to live and and flourish forever. The other super annoying thing about my whole experience is that whoever had planted these two rose bushes in our front yard had planted them what is, in my opinion, perilously close to the gas line. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we called the dial before you dig number to have the gas line marked before I got the shovel out to, like, dig up these rose bushes. And I was like, it's literally right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we inherited a lot of rose bushes with our house, and I love them. But, like, there have been some errors in judgment along the way, and I don't know if it's just, like, an inexperienced gardener. I can't say I would have done any better at various points in time. But whoever owned our house before us planted these beautiful, very prolifically blooming red rose bushes, which I love, but they are right in front of the house on either side of the stairs, and they're climbers. So oh, literally no. in the summer, there have been times where they've had a very healthy year and I have to clip them every single day because they are coming for you. Like you can't yeah. get up and down the stairs without them snagging your clothes. Right. Um, I love them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do want to get rid of, um, I call it a filthy name we couldn't say on the show because I don't like it. We have a wax leaf privet also that's right by the house that I don't like. And I keep saying I want to hire a grown-up to come and take it out and put in um, rose bushes that are meant to be full, like, privet-style bushes. Sure. I don't know if we'll get to that at any point in the near future or not. I don't like that privet, though, at all. Um, And also, we have my least favorite plant on the planet, Virginia creeper. No, you're right, because you're allergic to it, right? I'm so, I'm one of those random people who got the luck of the draw to be very allergic to it, and I have had to go to the emergency room because of a reaction right. to it. Like, it's not cool. Uh, anyway, plants. Yeah, I um, I will say this, too. In pictures of the Bramley tree, you would ask during the show if the clone that they put next to it, and I'm air quoting next to it, how close it is. It's not, because if you see pictures of the tree, it's not, you don't see the other tree. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I don't see a lot of other plant life around it. Like, there's, like, some grassy ground cover, I think, but it's not, like, there aren't any super close-by things, and I think they are monitoring it so closely that it has kept most of the the above-ground fungus managed and at bay like when you look at pictures you can see some of the tree is dead but like you don't see the white that white sticky film that I associate with something like that Mm -hmm. Um, so I think they're probably being pretty arduous about keeping it as controlled as possible and we'll see how long the Bramley tree lasts but as of right now you could go visit it they let people visit nice that might go on my bucket list for my next trip to England (laughs) I know that this weekend, 
uh, for what I have of it, which is not much because I'm doing some traveling and prep. I need to take care of my yard and do some mowing. So this is all a very timely discussion. Um, if you have a weekend ahead of you, I hope whatever you do, it's delightful. I personally like mowing, so that doesn't sound bad to me at all. Um, whatever you have, whether you have time off or not, I hope that you are able to take some time to take care of yourself not only take care of other people, although that is also a good and noble thing to do, but you also need to be recharged. And we will be right back here tomorrow with a classic and then on Monday with a brand new episode. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 